0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: It's Gert's dealer fans. What's going on? This is Jeff Hartman. This is Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. And it is in the what's almost Friday morning. It is Thursday night. The Steelers' first round draft pick is done, it's in the books. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle out of the University of Georgia. I'm sure you heard this by now. I'm not breaking any news for you. If you didn't hear the breaking news podcast, Make sure you go check out Dave Schofield. He did the Breaking News podcast. Also, check out our roundtable discussion with myself, Dave, and Brian Davis. Good stuff as we all kind of hash out not just the selection of Broderick Jones, but also the offensive line and where they're moving in that direction. Go check that out. Uh, you know, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to this, make sure you check that out as well. Today, though, I want to talk about a lot of different things as it pertains to this draft pick, the process. I'm going to have Jeremy Jerome Betts on in the second half. But the one thing I want to start off, and it was the title of this podcast, is something that I actually talked about a couple shows ago. And the title is that Khan and company stay aggressive with the Broderick Jones pick. You know, they traded with the New England Patriots. I still can't believe that. It kind of reminds me of when the Steelers traded for Chris Wormley from the Baltimore Ravens. Like, man, interdivision... Uh, that's weird. That doesn't happen often. And I know it happens in other other divisions, but not so much in the AFC North. But, you know, the Patriots and Steelers, there's always been that rivalry. It's probably more the fans than anything else. But still, for the, to see the Steelers... In case you forgot, here's what it was. They go from 17, the Steelers, from 17, they go get New England's 14, so they swap first-round picks, and the Steelers give New England their 2023 fourth-round pick. So they only had seven draft picks in this upcoming draft. Now the Steelers only have six. And when you think about it, first-round pick, done. In the books, 14th overall, Broderick Jones, offensive tackle, Georgia. They'll have two second-round picks. Pick 32, if they keep it there, they might trade it. We'll talk about that in the second half of the show. Also, pick 49. They have pick 80 in the third round, and then they wouldn't have another pick. If everything stays the way it is right now until the seventh round, no pick in the fourth, fifth, or sixth. Now, I'm, I'm not one to freak out about this stuff. But, you know, I don't think this is the way that Omar Khan wants to do business for a long time, if that makes sense. I think Omar Khan probably is looking at what he's been dealt and saying, how can I maximize it? But I said this on Wednesday. Everyone wants, like, all those fifth and sixth round picks. And I said it, and I'll say it again. Why? I'm fine with this. Go and knock those four picks out of the ballpark, and we won't have to worry about the sixth and seventh round picks. Screw them. They got the four guys, and I think that it's really important that we realize that it's important to hit those out of the ballpark, but they still also might be adding some draft capital with the 32nd overall pick. But going back to the aggressive nature, I said it before, I'll say it again. If the Steelers wanted to get their guy, a day one starter, now I'm not sure if this Broderick Jones is a day one guy, but if he is, you're going to have to be aggressive. You're not always going to get lucky. I, t- I brought up 2004 with Ben Roethlisberger. They got lucky that Cleveland didn't take Big Ben right before him at the 11th overall pick. I'm not talking about last year where Kenny Pickett, no one thought he was going to be available at 20. They sat on their hands, did nothing. They get their guy. Sometimes you have to be aggressive. You think about Troy Polamalu in 2003. They were not about to wait around. They trade with Kansas City, and they get their guy. So the Steelers, yeah, they went up and they got their guy. Now, when you think about this, a lot of the tackles were off the board. Paris Johnson Jr. was gone. Peter Skaronsky was gone. And Darnell Wright, who was skyrocketing up draft boards, he, too, was gone. Now, the only cornerback that was off the board at the time the Steelers made their pick at 14 was actually Devin Witherspoon who was drafted really early, I think it's Seattle. I'm pretty sure it was the Seattle Seahawks is where he went. So Joey Porter Jr., Gonzalez, Christian Gonzalez were still on the board. The Steelers passed on them both and said, we want our guy. They were aggressive, and they went after him, and they got their guy. I'm fine with that. I am totally fine with that, as long as he's the guy. You know, you think about trading up. What does everyone think about? They don't necessarily think about Troy. They think about Devin Bush in 2019. That's what they think about. So that, that leaves a bad taste in our mouths. It didn't pan out. You could talk about the injury. Maybe that was the turning point. You could talk about attitude. It doesn't matter. But still, they were aggressive. They got their guy. I still always goes back to something my brother and I, I've said this on the show before. Man, when we were in middle school, uh, you know, the the cheerleaders, whoever was cheering for like the basketball team, they'd always have a cheer. It was B, aggressive. B, E, aggressive. And Omar Khan is aggressive. It was brought up in the post-draft pick press conference. And they said, you know, Omar Khan, you've been very aggressive this offseason. He goes, I don't know if I'm that aggressive. Mike Tomlin interjects and goes, oh, no, he's aggressive. This is a change of pace, and I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. Omar Khan, Andy Weedle, Sheldon White, Mike Tomlin, whoever they're talking about, they've got a whole new front office basically outside of Art Rooney II and Mike Tomlin. They are not going to sit around and just wait. They weren't going to sit around and wait for Kevin Dotson to figure it out. They bring in Isaac Sayamalo. They bring in Nate Herbig. We're going to make it work. We're not going to wait. We're going to make it work, whether it's with you, Kevin Dotson, or someone else. So yeah, Dan Moore's not bad, and Ben Roethlisberger's pumping his tires on his podcast saying he's great, he's got a big heart, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? They're not going to wait. They're going to not going to wait. Maybe they do go into the season with Dan Moore and chooks the core forwards their bookend tackles. Okay, that's fine, but they're not going to wait. They're not going to sit around and wait on their hands and hope and pray that everything works out. Not with this regime, and I am fine with that. I am 100% fine with that. Now, what's going to happen now? I want to prepare the fans for this. What's going to happen now is that people are going to go out and they're going to talk about grades and evaluation. I just want to say that there are things that can be evaluated after a pick is made, and there's things that cannot or should not be evaluated. So we have two for each. So can the process be graded or evaluated? Absolutely. You can grade the Steelers trading with the New England Patriots to move up to 14. You can say they gave up too much, or you could say that they gave up just enough. It doesn't matter. That is something in the process and who was available. And when they took this guy, that guy, whatever, that is all fair game. Can you grade the player? I don't think so. I don't, especially in the first round, this is a talented player. Some picks take more time to pan out than others. And when they haven't even stepped foot on a professional field before, I think it's unfair to grade them or evaluate them before they have a chance to do that. How about the position? The targeted position in the draft? Yeah, you can grade that too. You can absolutely grade or evaluate that. For instance, the Steelers go with an offensive tackle and pass on cornerback. Well, that probably doesn't sit well with a lot of people. The fan base probably wanted Joey Porter Jr. or even Christian Gonzalez. It doesn't matter. That's something that matters, and you can evaluate that. You can say, wow, they chose this position over that one. That's part of the process. Yes, you can grade that. Can you somehow grade a player's performance in college? No, I don't think you can. Not when, not when you're talking about moving into that next realm. The NFL is an entirely different realm. So, yeah, you can point back to things that they did in college. We will be doing that here on the Steel Curtain Network. So will every other NFL podcast feed on Fans for Sports Network. But you can't ever say, well, I'm going to draw this conclusion and say they're going to do this X, Y, or Z in the National Football League. Again, they haven't even stepped foot onto an NFL field. So just something to consider as we all now deal with the repercussions of the pick. The pick has been made. The round one, first round is done. And there you go. What just hey, just I'm saying be be cautious. Be cautious. I did say that I was going to do winners and losers. And so what I wanted to do is I did a little mini winners and losers. And I'm going to do this before I bring Jeremy Jerome Betts on to finish out the show. I have five winners and three losers after the first round of the NFL draft, and I'm not going to say anything like Joey Porter Jr. is a loser because he didn't get picked when the Steelers didn't make the him their pick. No, I'm not going to say that, okay, because he's out there. He's, he did the best that he could leading up to the draft. Now it's out of his hands. So let's get this started with the winners list. The first winner, hello, McFly, it's Broderick Jones. Dude, hey, the, the, the Steelers coveted you enough that they traded up and they, they got ahead of the New York Jets. That's who they were trying to make sure that they didn't stay behind and they go ahead of the New York Jets. I'm going to quote Brian Anthony Davis. He talked about when the Steelers were getting ready to pick Darrell Revis. the Jets jump in front of them and they take him, and we all know what happened after that. But Broderick Jones, you are a winner because you got selected 14th overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Enough said. The next winner is Omar Khan. Omar Khan... I think when, when he was hired, I think back to when he was named the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, there was a large contingent of the fan base that said, oh boy, here we go. Here we go. It's another in-house hire. This dude has just been a number cruncher for the last decade for the Steelers. Why in the hell is he going to make a good GM? That, that's, I guarantee you that was a common thought. Omar Khan's done nothing but prove that he's capable. Now, he still has a lot of draft picks left, and we have to see if these things, these picks pan out. But you understand what I'm saying. He's done a good job so far. He's a winner. The next winner is Pat Meyer. Not only does Pat Meyer, who's only been with the Steelers for a season, he's going into year two. My gosh, the guy gets a first-round draft pick to work with. So everyone was so down on that hire when it happened. This guy stinks. The running game's been awful wherever he's been. Carolina, uh, the, the Chargers. Well, no one's complaining about him now. And on top of that, Pat Meyer now has a shiny new toy at his disposal. That puts you on the winner's list. Next is Kenny Pickett. Yeah, Kenneth Shane Pickett, KP8. Yeah, He's a winner. They're, look at what they're doing in front of him. I already mentioned, You know, you, you look at now the addition of Broderick Jones. Isaac Sayamalu, Nate Herbig. It breeds competition with Kevin Dodson still in the mix. Mason Cole at center. They still could add at that position. You have James Daniels, Chuksa for. They are building what everyone's calling the picket fence, and that means that Kenny Pickett should be sitting back saying, ah, oh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Just give me some time. Just give me some time to throw. That's what they should be thinking. And the last winner, the last winner is none other than Matt Canada. Because Matt Canada, much as, as much as you, the fan, might hate this guy, he gets another asset to his offense. He gets a valuable tool and a valuable piece of that puzzle for his offense. So that's why Matt Canada is on, on the winner's list. But you might hear his name again. On the loser's list, let's flip, let's flip the script. I'm going to say that Dan Moore is a loser. No, he's not a loser in that sense. Dan Moore is a loser based on the fact that doesn't say much. I just talked about this. If, if the Steelers were trusting in him and thought that he was the answer, they, they would not have traded up. They would not have taken a tackle, but they did. So Dan Moore, his back is against the wall. He's got a battle to be that starting left tackle, or else he's going to be relegated to swing tackle duties. The other loser is Chuksa of because the one thing about Broderick Jones, when you do some reading, is that the dude does have versatility. Yes, he was a left tackle at Georgia. He practiced a ton at right tackle. Now, some people might say, well, that means he's going to be a swing tackle for the Steelers. It also could mean that he could be threatening both positions, meaning, hey, if Dan Moore's playing great and Chiefs of core for struggling, like we saw at the end of last season, that Broderick Jones can take care of business there too. So Jukes 4 doesn't find his way on the winner's list just because he's a right tackle. He's on the loser's list as well. The last loser is Matt Canada. You might be thinking, Jeff, you have Matt Canada in both lists. How is that possible? It's easy. He's on the loser's list because now he has no crutch. Think about what they've done around Matt Canada. New quarterback that supposedly fits his system. First round running back. You think about the offensive line, the changes that have been made, Pat Friarby, I mean, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Connor Hayward, Jalen Warren, all these players, he has no crutch anymore, no crutch. He has to go out there and prove his worth. Matt Canada has to go out there and say, honestly, I can get the job done, and he has to show it, he has to show it. prove it. That's why he's also on the losers list so a little winners and losers maybe we'll do another one of these on Monday after the NFL draft I said this was a little mini winners and losers we'll do a complete winners and losers on Monday so be on the lookout for that but also coming up after this break we've got Jeremy Jerome Betts with the all bets are off segment stay tuned we'll be right back after this break
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW, avoid, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two.
3: Dealer fans welcome back second half of the friday show just because the draft happens doesn't mean that jeremy jerome Betts is not going to be joining me for the all bets are off segment jeremy what's up
2: all bets are off but uh we're not off we're
3: working yeah, yeah. <laughs> busy time of year for us yeah. and uh you know hey that's that's part of the job but I, i'll tell you what the speaking of the job you talk about omar khan i, I said this in the first half he remained aggressive and this is something that it's maybe this is kind of his mo and, and we were not we're not used to this as Steeler fans. We're we're not comfortable really in that this we're used to right Evan Colbert just playing it cautious, being aggressive at times. What are your thoughts on Omar Khan Omar, Khan, Omar Khan's approach? There you go, easy for me to say to this draft and really this offseason as a
2: whole. Well, I think um he said it best he's just trying to win Super Bowls, and I think he he, is buying into a plan for the players that they think can help them get there. And uh he's going to make the move to go get him. Um, You know, Tomlin said in the press conference that he's aggressive. And uh, I think that that fits um, the mold for the new age Steelers um, minus Ben Roethlisberger and minus some of the old stalwarts that kept them afloat for so long. They've got to do more to uh, be competitive. And I think that this, it's a huge step for them. And, um, uh, you know, being willing to trade up even a couple spots. I think if, if this is Kevin Colbert's team, still, they sit there and wait and see, see what happens, see what comes to them. Uh But Omar Khan said, uh, we're going to go get our guy. And that's what they did. And I like it. I think it's a, a bold take and a bold move. And, and I like it. No
3: one saw though, the cornerbacks that were available being there when the Steelers made their pick, even at 14, Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr. Both still on the board. Broderick Jones was like the last of that top tier of tackle. They made Mm -hmm. their decision. We know what that was. Is there any part of you that's second-guessing it and thinking, man, Christian Gonzalez would be really nice Mm -hmm. to have going up against those Bengals receivers. Zay Flowers goes to Baltimore. That's going to be a guy they're going to have to tend with. Mm -hmm. Are you second-guessing the decision to go with the tackle
2: over a cornerback? I don't think so because uh, of how it feels like the Steelers are building this team and they're building it around Najee Harris and uh, a powerful um, move you offensive attack. That's going to just pound the rock and matriculate down the field. And uh, uh, you know, that's, that's the offensive style they're going for. And, you know, maybe they're, they're planning some, stuff for Kenny Pickett to hit some some big passes down the field and um to really utilize the playmaking ability that they have on the outside now on this offense uh, to go along with it but in either case um I think that they identified that they need someone a- along the offensive line that allows them to do that um a little bit better than uh Dan Moore Jr. was able to do now whether um Dan Moore is the starter week one or Broderick Jones is the starter week one at left tackle or um maybe Broderick Jones plays right tackle I don't know uh what ends up happening there um in any case the Steelers improved their offensive line uh today with this pick and that just seemed to be priority number one for this organization and uh especially with Andy uh Weidel here in town and uh you've got an aggressive guy like Omar Khan I think that they were like let's do this let's solidify this line and let's uh let's give our quarterback our our young gun uh, the best chance that he can to improve in year two and uh let's let's build this offense to go and the cornerback class is so deep we see it now um joey porter jr is still sitting out there uh i mean he hasn't even been selected yet the steelers sit there at 32 they could take him with no qualms, or they could trade back and, and get another corner that, that might slide down. You've still got plenty of those guys available. And I just think there's no panic. You can be aggressive, and now there's no panic as well. And so you've got the the flexibility to really just build the team the way you see fit. And I think that's what they're they're doing. And I like it. When you, when we when talk about
3: Broderick Jones for a little bit before we talk about it more, you know, globally from the NFL draft outlook. Where did you have him ranked amongst tackles?
2: Uh, he was my third tackle. So I had behind,
3: him, behind obviously Paris Johnson and
2: Skaronsky. Uh Let me rephrase that. He was my he was my third offensive lineman because I had Skaronsky as um, my first overall interior offensive lineman because I thought he Got would it. be better at guard. So I'll, I'll rephrase it to say he was my second uh, favorite tackle in the draft. Okay. Class. All yeah. right. So you, and, and Darnell Wright went before him. So was that a surprise? Yeah. Uh, very much to me. Uh, I was not as high on Darnell Wright as obviously the league was. Uh, the Bears were and some other people were. Um, I think he he didn't have the flexibility that some of these other guys did. And also viewing it from a black and gold perspective, I, I thought the Steelers definitely needed someone who could who could jump in on the left side. And I did not think Broderick Jones was that type of player. He's He seemed to be a right tackle and a right tackle only. Um, and that. You know that works for the Bears because they need somebody to just push people around on the right side, and that was great. But for the Steelers, I I really did think that um, you know Broderick Jones had higher upside because of his versatility, his age. It was a huge factor. I thought too the Steelers like to uh, to develop younger players uh, when they draft, and they like to get underclassmen, especially in the first round, guys that have uh, a lot of skill athleticism that they can mold uh, and have for a long time. So Broderick Jones fit that mold a lot better for me. And also again, that versatility made him just behind Paris Johnson jr. in my rankings for offensive tackle.
3: Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to have to dive I I don't follow linemen. If it's a Mm skill position player, I'm a little bit more uh, in tune with what, what they can provide, but I'll have to do some digging with the linemen. I want to ask you, I mean, every NFL draft is crazy, right? I mean, every single NFL draft has, you know, ups and downs, twists and turns. I don't think anyone saw this happening mm-hmm. in round one, whether it's yeah. the Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> the green, uh, I'm sorry, the Detroit lions, yeah. um, the bears moving back one spot, with the Eagles just insanity. Then the Steelers themselves trade up and the New York giants traded later in the first round. I'm sure I'm missing a trade here or there, but just crazy, Jeremy. Like, yeah, when you when you think about this draft, give me something like, w- were you just completely flabbergasted by everything that went down?
2: Absolutely. Um, it, And it all started with Houston um, throwing us all off, saying, mm-hmm. you know, in the lead up to the draft here that they were they were going to go defense and they were going to let D'Amico Ryans build his team and then figure out quarterback later. And then they throw the monkey wrench at us. They draft their quarterback and then they do something to even compound it. And they, they trade right back up behind themselves uh, from 12 and then select the guy we all thought was going at number two. So, I mean, it starts there. And then you talk about the, the Detroit lions selecting a running back at 12 after trading back um, uh, with the, with the Cardinals who traded back up (laughs) after having traded back to get Paris Johnson jr. uh, And then, Oh man, you know, uh, taking a running back at at 12 and then uh, with their next pick, they, they take Jack Campbell linebacker that many were projecting would, could be available at pick 49 to the Steelers. So uh, you just never know. And uh, from there it was a domino effect. Um, I think the will Levis slide, although uh, it was one of those things where you could see him go at number two um, to somebody who traded up for him just because. You, you don't know who falls in love with a specific quarterback or you can see him slide out of the first round, the latter happens and um, that just makes for a, a, for an exciting and intense first round. And things did cool down in the trade department after the first half of the draft, I'd say, especially once you got into the twenties, teams started to kind of feel good about where they were at. The players that were there to them started making their own picks. So it settled down a little bit, but then the, the other big surprise is, philadelphia landing two georgia bulldogs two more georgia bulldogs in the first round uh selecting or trading up to get jalen carter with uh, trading up with the bears to get him and then waiting and waiting and they still get nolan smith the fantastic outside linebacker uh at 30 and just an incredible draft for them again uh, if especially if you like georgia players which i happen to so uh yeah it was crazy And, and this is why we love the draft because it's it is unpredictable. You can do all the predicting you want, but you're going to get a different result every time and and this was awesome.
3: So when you think about the Steelers at pick 32 now, you know the first round is in the books. You see what's available. You already mentioned players like, you know, the quarterbacks that are still out there. Not mm-hmm. that, you know, Hendon Hooker is maybe, you know, has a round 2 grade we don't know. Uh Will Levis. You talk about Joey Porter Jr. Man, the Steelers are going to have some phone calls. They're going to be fielding some definite phone calls. What do you want to see them do?
2: I want to see them trade back. Um, I think because there's quarterbacks there, the value uh, of that pick kicks up another notch as well. And especially when the Steelers would be just very happy to just sit there and take uh, Joey Porter Jr. You'd have to imagine that they'd be just fine with doing that. Um, If a team's desperate enough to come up and get one of those quarterbacks, then that drives the price up. And maybe Omar Khan can really get a deal that maybe recoups the fourth round pick that they sent to the Patriots to move up and and more. Um, So I think you've got to like where you're at, if you're, you're Pittsburgh. And if I'm the Steelers, I've got I've got maybe seven or eight guys still that I feel comfortable with at 32. So if that's the case and I'm willing to move back uh, maybe all the way to, to 38, 39, 40 in in the draft and still get a guy I like. um, And recoup some of those picks so uh, the cornerback class again it's very deep so if they don't go Joey Porter Jr they've still got guys that they can go get and there's going to be a lot of teams looking at interior offensive line at the upper portion of the draft quarterbacks now with Levis and Hooker still on the board you've got to imagine that those teams are going to be uh, looking to move up and there's plenty of them uh, and there's not very many guys uh, or teams in that range that are um diehard set on getting a a cornerback either so if you're the Steelers you got to feel really good about that um the only thing I would be concerned about if I'm Pittsburgh is that the defensive tackle class has really dried up very quickly with Brian Brissy and uh mozzie smith uh both going at the back end of the first round um you know you're starting to run out of quality players there so if the steelers are looking to address defensive line um it would behoove them to trade out of 32 acquire more picks in on day two early day three and uh try to get one of those guys that's left because um that's going to be important for them if they want to solidify that position group
3: did your boy darnell washington get picked in the first round he
2: did not. He is oh, still available. So that's, that's another guy. And I, I mean, there's some talk that he's been devalued as some of these other tight ends have uh, gained more traction and more value. And, uh, um, Meyer is still on the board and Washington's still on the board and uh, Laporta is still on the board there at tight end so um he's definitely in play and you heard Mike Tomlin in the pre-draft presser mention tight end specifically as a position that he's got his eye on so uh, my hopes are still up and my fingers are still crossed that maybe uh Darnell Washington uh, another Georgia Bulldog um it could could be a a Steeler pick potentially, but it would be a surprise to me if both of the Steelers uh, first two selections were offensive players. That would be a bit of a surprise.
3: So, if you were just to predict not what you want to see them do, would you predict that the Steelers trade pick 32 or that the Steelers will just stay pat and take one of the players? So maybe some of that we mentioned like a Jerry Porter jr.
2: Yeah, I'm predicting a trade out. Um, I, like I said, I think they're going to be comfortable with the players that are available to them. And I think that the teams that will want to trade up for a quarterback, potentially, uh, an interior offensive lineman, one of the centers, John Michael Schmitz, Joe Titman, even Steve Avila, who's still there. Um, You've got plenty of of options along the interior. And then those teams are all within that 33 to 40 range. So I would say you've got a great opportunity to move back. Uh, six, seven, eight picks, and and still get a lot of value out of that. So that's what I think that they will do because I think that they're comfortable with the players that are still on the board. So last question I have for you. You you look at this
3: pick of offensive tackle in round one, and that checks the giant box that almost every single person that's ever talked about the Steelers this offseason has said is going to be a need. If they go to offense again at any point for the rest of the draft, what position is it? Because mm-hmm. you think about it, they lose a pick. Now they only have five left, six total, and there are glaring needs on defense as well. Do they go on the
2: offensive side at all? And if so, where do they go? I think um, I would have to lean towards center um, because that seem, would seem to be the next need down the line that they, they could potentially need to upgrade a starting position at i think if you look at wide receiver uh, you still got deontay johnson under contract for um an, another two seasons um you've still got uh, obviously george pickens under contract on his rookie deal uh you can you can find receivers um the, in anywhere in the draft really that can help your team whether that's the third spot the fourth spot so um, maybe a, a second tight end would, would be the, the next closest to center, but I would say that center is probably their, the, the one on offense where if you look towards 2024, you're like, ooh, we might have like a, a true glaring uh hole here if we don't draft somebody to um to develop for a year behind uh, b- behind um. Their current center now, whose name is Mason Cole Mason, yeah, Cole, Mason it's Cole. Mason Cole. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it is late. A lot of names processing through my brain right now. But yeah, uh, yeah so I would say center uh, Jeff, if I had to, if I had to pick uh, another position and, um, but then you've got guys that they brought in to play guard that could play center. So uh, they're really in a good spot, um, but that's where, what I would say.
3: It's gonna be interesting. Day two, especially, is gonna be it could be crazy with potential mm-hmm. trades. It's gonna be the, the brunt of their picks with three picks in those two rounds. And we're gonna be there every step of the way. Jeremy, you might be hearing him on one of our roundtable discussions. Jeremy, as always, thank you for your time, man. And we'll be talking next Friday.
2: Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it.
3: Yeah, man. And and for all the Steelers fans out there, the ride or die crew, make sure you check me out on all of our podcasts this weekend, as well as the rest of the Steel Curtain Network team. You know how we finished it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Enjoy the rest of the draft. We'll see you on Monday.